0: Visit roberthalf.com today. Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This
1: is Morning Combat. It is Monday, October 12, 2020, and it is time, donks, for morning combat. Hi, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. I am one half of your hosting duo. I am from CBS Sports. The gentleman on that side of the screen, he is also from CBS Sports. He's an ape in the cage, getting more, oh, Jesus Christ, more amazing with age. He is also uh, the conspiracy to my theory. It's the one and only Brian Campbell. Hi, Brian. How are you?
0: I'm doing well, Luke. I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. Thank you for calling out the name of my savior to open the show there when you heard Jay's voice. And also, Luke. Uh, <laughs> Look, Mondays are the best days. This is this is the show that started this phenomenon, right? That is morning combat, right? I mean you can have all the Money and the power, day after day, hour after hour, but it still comes back to Monday morning, the first voice you hear. Let MK be your water cooler, brother, okay? Because we're going to mix it up. We're going to brainwash you the only way we know how, MK Ultra style, Luke. So hope you had a nice weekend. People think you and I hang out. We converse all the time. I avoid all your text calls and emails until Monday morning.
1: (laughs) That's not exactly true, but you're right. Mondays are the best days. We drink champagne when we're Thursdays, um, I had a great weekend. Spent a lot of time with my kid. Took it to a bunch of parks. Did a bunch of biking around the nation's capital. So it was fun. Did you do anything of note, good sir?
0: Uh, I chop more wood. I'm building wood piles. It's very manly of me. That's why I wear really, really tight shirts there that that uh, that show off what I've been building here, which are these these uh, these absolute firearms. Um, yeah, just been been chopping a lot of wood, Luke. Okay, it, it connects me with my. With my ancestors, my French Canadian my Quebecians, okay? I bet you they chopped a lot of wood.
1: Quebecois. All right, very good. Well, we have a lot to get to. There were some fights over the weekend, Bellator Paris slash Bellator 248, which was okay, not great. Uh, And then I got to say, you know, the argument from promoters that all the cards that people don't pay attention to are always the one that delivers is absolutely not true. However, it it is true that if you're a hardcore fan, You get both worlds. You have to sit through more dreck, but sometimes you do get the things that fall under the radar that just are excellent. That card, UFC Fight Island 5, it was a banger from beginning to end. The decisions were all interesting, and the knockouts, I mean, there was a million of them, including maybe the best one ever. So why don't, before we start the show there... First things yeah, don't, first. And do, want... and
0: don't call that other guy Cody anymore, okay? He's, he's he's past that after after this performance. Good Lord. Is he the Sandman from now on? Uh, yeah, please. Please, Mr. Sandman, all right? Uh, yes. Real
1: quickly, if we can, uh, give the video a thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button. Our numbers have been exploding since we went full time. Let's keep that train on the tracks. We've got some missions and some goals, and we appreciate everybody who's been along do for the ride. Do you see any
0: correlation with our rising numbers and the fact that Jay barely works on the other shows each week?
1: Hmm. You know, I hadn't thought of it in that way, but now that you bring it up, I bet there is a one-to-one relationship with that. Um, So, number one, that. Number two, if you'd like to try Showtime, and why wouldn't you? Showtime.com right now, a 30-day free trial. You can check it out. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can go pound sand. And uh, BC, I don't have any MK merch that I'm wearing, but I do have my MK tumbler right here. What a nice little glass here. It's one of my favorites that I use. I've got Mountain Dew in it. You've got a nice hat over there.
0: Dude, this thing's very comfy. It fits floppy, right? You could see your dad in this. This would be a very nice gift. Look, it's going to be the holiday season soon, all right? Jay, let's bring in Jay real quick. Jay, uh, happy Rosh Hashanah belated to you, and this would be a great gift for your tribe, Jay. Jay, we can't hear you, but you are wearing Uh, the Morning Combat shirt, Jay. Why do you
1: bring Jay in? No one wants to hear
0: from him. No, because, look, Jay's got a controversial history in this show, but he's one of the pillars holding this thing up, Luke, okay? And the show is off the rails. I mean, he's like the
1: Wizard of Oz if once you discover the Wizard, it's a dude on 4chan who also, you know, masturbates on chat roulette. It's like, right, really, that's yes. the Wizard of Oz? I mean, that's what we're doing here? <laughs> The one, I, the one I have to live through is the one where you are the producer of the show, which is just like that, as described. Did you
0: see the adult version? Follow the yellow dick road? Where are we going with this, Luke? <laughs> uh, right. with, that,
1: with that in mind, BC, we indicated the fights over the weekend were good. Let's start there with uh, topic number one, if we can, please. So, UFC Fight Island 5 was headlined by a fight that we knew in advance was important and we had good reason to believe was going to be good, that being a top bantamweight clash between Corey Sandhagen and former champion Marlon Moraes. By the way, it turns out you can pronounce it Morais or Morais. I had a Brazilian check me on that. Either way, BC, Corey Sandhagen comes out, very competitive first round, bit of a back and forth, but you could see he was setting into a rhythm, comes out in the second round and just runs over Marlon Moraes, finishing him off with a spinning heel kick. I have to go back and look at it again to see exactly which one it was. But whatever it was, it was emphatic, It was amazing. It was a delivery of the promise that you thought he had before the Sterling fight. It was a lot. BC, your main takeaway from Corey Sandhagen's monster win.
0: Uh, Maybe that his back tattoo looks like the cover of Houses of the Holy by Led Zeppelin. But beyond that, he's a problem, Luke, at 135 pounds. This division... Is so sick. I mean, this was a non title main event. Any fight you can make with Aljo, with Jan, with these two, with all the veterans around there, it's going to be amazing. This one lived up to it and he surpassed the expectations coming in. We did talk, uh, you know, in the preview show on Friday, Luke, about ability versus ability. I kind of like Sanhagen's chances against Moraes, even though Moraes is as solid and tough as you can find at Bantamweight. But to see Sanhagen just go to that plus level, his mentality was correct. He came in uh, aggressive, he came in focused. I love the post fight celebration of, hey, let's not go too big. I got another step to go. I got to get to the top. This was absolutely eye opening. We knew this was inside of him. But Luke, let's be honest when you have a deep division, any division in the UFC, when it's loaded, any one of the top five or six on their best night, you're usually thinking, wow, they may be a title contender, they may be for real. It's not always easy to plug that in and be your very best. He was able to put out a dominant effort, and when you take into consideration his length, his IQ, the versatility in his game, he's a problem, Luke, and I cannot wait to see who they match him against next.
1: Yeah, two responses I would have. I totally agree. Absolute problem. I mean, We thought he was a problem heading into the Sterling fight, and Sterling ran over him, which is a credit to Sterling, who, by the way, should be the guy in the fight with Peter Yon. Still not announced as of the day of this broadcast, which is crazy, but okay. We assume it's going to happen. But, you know, listen, to your point, anyone in that top five on their best day is going to make anyone else in that top five who was also amazing just look kind of amateurish. And he had a bad day against Sterling, but the reason we believed in him... It was evidenced in this fight, the sophistication of the footwork. You know, a lot, I think a lot of guys stance switch in MMA, and I'm not sure how much benefit they get out of it. He gets all the benefit in the world, you, to the point where you couldn't really decide if he's better in Orthodox or Southpaw. He's actually better on the move in that way, and so you can really tell he is naturally taken to that style of fighting. I still think he takes a little bit of time to get going, which is partly why he had an issue with Sterling. I know he's been seeing a sports psychologist to get him in a better state than uh, to be prepared from the opening bell. And don't get me wrong. I do think he had a little bit more energy. Uh, he He was focused. So I'm not saying he came into it exactly the same as the Sterling fight. It just seems to me that first round is for him a real learning experience what am I up against what am I seeing what am I reading and then by the second he's just lapping everybody provided the fight goes that long Marlon Marais looked to be in tremendous shape he had changed camps for this now maybe in the defense of Marais BC it takes some time to get adjusted to the new camp right even if you even if the change was necessary it doesn't mean that the change is going to pay dividends right away so I want to be clear we should not write off Marlon Morais here I know he came out of the gate basically storming UFC debut notwithstanding Becoming the champion, he's had a couple of, you know, a few, I should say, pretty tough fights even with the Aldo win. But I still think he's going to be around in this division for a while to come. So I want to make sure we say that. But you're absolutely right, BC. Corey Sandhagen is going to be a problem for anyone. I think he has an adaptive style to really handle any kind of fighter. I think if he fought Sterling a second time, not saying Sterling wouldn't necessarily win, but I definitely expect it to be very, very different. I like the way he matches up with Peter Jan. And more to this point, BC... We should have this conversation here right now.
0: This is Tony Kornheiser show. I'm Tony. We, we expected someone else.
1: Which division is better, 155 or 135? I'm still going to say 155, but the Sanhagen fight against Marais reminded me of this. Sterling reminded me of this. Peter Yan reminded me of this. I think the guys at 155 are a little bit more established commodities. I like their power punching just a little bit more up there. But I got to say this. If 135 isn't the best division now, and you can make a case that it is, it's definitely the division of the future. All of these young guys who are already so capable, they already have all these best practices worked out. They are going to be the future of the sport if they're not already the present. Where do you come down in that conversation?
0: Uh, Really, Bantamweight is so deep and, and it's the mixture of those young elite might have next guys that we're talking about. Sandman, Joe, Yan and all those aging names. Look, I love that we got Mr. Faber, Edgar, Lingering, Cruz. You got T.J. Dillashaw coming back early next year. I mean, this is such a friggin' deep division. I do think it comes just short of lightweight. And what does that mean? Um, I'm the guy banging the drum for the last year and a half, telling you the lightweight right now is the deepest, greatest division in in the in the sports history. Even better than that great light heavyweight run of a decade ago. So they're right there. And let's not forget, of course, the women of one one five who always deliver. But um, you could—it's one of those things, Luke. Where if you said you can only watch bantamweight fights for the next year and none else, you know, none else, you'd be like, "Okay, I'm fine. I'm fine with this. Let's do this." Um, Luke, our crack research team has pointed out internally here that it was Big Brown of all people who gave Corey his Sandman nickname during a food truck dry- diary. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, well, he's from Aurora, Colorado, which is a. A wonderful place if you love good coffee, good beer, amazing sights, and white dudes with dreadlocks. It's it's the home of that, quite frankly. Uh, actually, I love Colorado. I love Aurora, Colorado, but I think they have a Colorado bond. You know, he uh, to to Brendan's credit, he's been high on Corey Sanhagen for a long time. I didn't know who he was until I saw him fight, and you know, you know, he first couple of fights in UFC, you may not be fighting the biggest names. And I was like, God damn, this guy looks smooth. And then he started beating the good names, and now you get to this point here. One more point about this, BC, which is kind of interesting. I saw a lot of MMA writers being like, well, this makes the choice for UFC very easy. Uh, maybe if Marais had won. UFC might have skipped over Aljo and given it to Marais for whatever promotional reason they have and denying Aljo, which I don't understand, but whatever. The fact that they haven't announced it seems kind of weird. Peter Yan was even sort of cryptic about it on Twitter. And they say, well, because not only Sandhagen won, but he won so emphatically, oh, well, there's no way you could deny Aljo. Dude, what is preventing them from just making the Sandhagen fight against Peter Yan? Nothing. Nothing. Oh, well, he got dominated by Aljamain Sterling. And? What is that supposed to mean? They have total control. Even if it was utterly unjustified, they could just go do it. There's nothing preventing them from doing that. So I agree. Logically, Aljo was the guy before. He's even more the Bro, guy now. Let, let, let me just say, I Seriously am saying here. I am saying, Aljamain Sterling, BC, deserves that shot. But the UFC can do whatever they want. This idea well, that because Corey Sanhagen right. won the way he did precludes him, uh, no, it does not.
0: No, look, it's Aljo's fight, okay? God, what else do they have to do? We, Co- Corey Sanhagen's our new poster boy, and Aljo dominated him, okay? Can we end that conversation right now? I wanted to point out something real quick. You know our brethren in the media, friend of the program, Shaq Majori of, uh, of Fightful, you know that guy?
1: Yes, he's, uh, he's an Iranian-Canadian, I think.
0: Yeah, a real nice guy. He interviewed Eddie Alvarez ahead of this fight, who said, Eddie looks at Moraes as a mini-me. And, I, and the comparisons are really jumping out when you look at the style and, and in some ways his look with the balding head. Do you have any fears, though, even though Eddie is a legend, right? The, undergr- you know, the king of the underground, all that, former UFC champion, that Marais is starting to fit into the negative side of Eddie's image, where it's like, he's a tough out for everybody in this division, but is he ever going to get over the top of that hill?
1: Well, I, I, I'm just not ready to bury the guy yet. I think it's very premature. I mean, it is true that, like, skills win fights, right? And if you just look at what Sanhagen does, Maurice is very skilled at what he does, but he does something a little bit more conventional relative to what Sanhagen does. He's got a much more modern style of MMA game, and he's very fluid and very crafty with it. And so as a consequence, it's a bit like the T-1000 versus the T-2. But the T two is still, still a force to be reckoned with. Um, This idea that he can't be any better than he already is, I don't buy. Again, I still think there's going to be. It's going to take some time. I think, for him to make real, meaningful adjustments at ATT to get back to a spot where he can threaten those guys, but do I think he can beat Peter Yan if he uh, fights up to his level and then adds some new development to his game? Yes, of course I do. Remember, he's got a vicious ground game too. We just didn't see it because I think he prefers to strike. Maybe mixing it up is the answer. Maybe adding a couple more wrinkles. I leave that to his capable coaches and trainers. I'm just saying he's way too athletic, way too heavy-handed, already well, way too well-rounded, for me to say, oh, he's a has-been, mm, I don't buy that at all. I just feel like he's in a rut, and he needs some kind of catalyst for change. Maybe the camp is that, let's give him some time.
0: Luke, real quick on the way out here on and I got two for you. Number one, what's his major malfunction? Look, I mean, we saw him get jumped on by, by Aljo and lose, but when you look at his long-term potential of maybe climbing the mountain in this division, what's the type of fight, type of fighter that you look at as his kryptonite?
1: One, somebody who gets to work early and builds a commanding lead. I think somebody who can land with big, heavy power that can force his ability to make re- – it can delay his ability to make meaningful reads, right? Because if you're constantly getting just crushed – Trying to do that, you're going to be slower about it, much more hesitant. That's going to be difficult for you. So, an early starter, a heavy-handed guy, somebody who doesn't buy into his feints and waits for him to make uh, the distance closing. I think that's going to be big. Um, that kind of a thing. Somebody who just doesn't bait into motion, doesn't bait into feints, can really. Peter Jan, in many ways, is going to be that guy. You know, I think those two match up like Jan and Al Al Joe. Excuse me, match up interestingly because. Aljo is such a threat on the floor. He's got really long reach, stick-and-move kind of a game. That's going to be a puzzle for Jan to solve. But if Jan wins that, it gets up against Sanhagen. They're in many ways, I'm not going to say opposites, because Jan can play that game a little bit too, but Jan can go in a couple of directions that Sanhagen can't. And it's going to be interesting to see who can be the more dominant fighter given those constraints. That's going to be a hell of a, a, a matchup down the road. And
0: if you want to compare this division... Maybe that look when I talk about that light heavyweight division of a decade plus ago before John Jones really took over and the belts changing hands from one Hall of Famer to another, right? From Forrest and and, and Shogun and and Ramp, I'm sorry, and Rashad and uh, you know, I mean it's going back and forth. Rampage obviously in that mix as well. I, I'm wondering if that's going to happen at bantamweight because these guys are so evenly matched. But I do want to ask you to close. What should be next for Sandhagen, provided Aljo gets Yan like he should? Uh, Corey mentioned a few names. You mentioned Dillashaw. I mentioned, uh, he mentioned um, uh, Frankie Edgar as well. Who would you like to see him against next?
2: New CBS Monday. NCIS. Here's where we can see him. NCIS and NCIS Hawaii return with all new cases.
1: Double tap to the chest, one to the head. These guys are professionals.
2: All new criminals.
1: Violent island, they got here. Lock in
2: paradise. And all new crimes to be solved.
0: If you're watching
1: this, I've been arrested.
2: What are the charges? Just one. Murder. New NCIS and NCIS Hawaii, Monday starting at 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's title shot or bust as far as I'm concerned, but he may not want to sit out that long, right? So in terms of what he has earned, he's earned a title shot. In terms of what is just logically possible for being next, because who knows how fast the winner can make a turnaround from the title fight, assuming it happens in December between Aljo and Jan uh second what if they get injured like you just have to really think about okay I think I got next but there could be a scenario where I just don't want to wait that long in which case I like the Dillashaw fight because you beat him it's a great way to gain some visibility Edgar a little bit less so these days but that's a very very winnable fight I think for someone like Corey Sandhagen so something like that something where a little bit more than stay busy got a visible name on the other side but nothing that's too much of a threat to derail everything he's already built would you agree
0: I would. I would agree with that. It's almost like a showcase stay busy against a name who has a threat, but Sanhagen should beat him. I'm down for that as well. And like you mentioned, one of the better things to come out of Colorado since Chuck Mindenhall. Oh, yeah. We didn't forget yes. about that guy. We yes. love that guy. Okay. And, and I've seen him without the hat. Marijuana. It's a little, little disarming. I have seen him without the hat. But what a guy. Love him.
1: It's like Vader when he takes his helmet off.
0: It really is. It really is. It really is. Yes. Yeah.
1: All right. We go to point number two, the co-main event from UFC Fight Island 5. Edson Barboza has dropped down to 145, and what does he want? He wants to be a title contender. Did he prove that he could be? Well, he beat Makwan Amir and he did it pretty convincingly, if you ask me, although one judge had it 29-28, I think, which I don't understand. I had it 30-26, quite honestly. Um, But okay, BC. Did he prove he could be a title contender at 145 pounds?
0: Yes and no. He proved that he's uh, he's just he's able to do it at this weight. I mean, look, this is a you know this is a bold move to move down here and, and campaign here at this point in his career. He's able to pull it off. Do I think he can win a title? I, I have my doubts. I have my doubts because of what cutting down to a weight class does to your body, especially at this point in your career. And we even see that to a degree with Jose Aldo, where you can have flashes, you can be the bigger man and have power. Can you have sustained? top-level output over a whole fight, including a five-round championship fight. That's where I have questions. Name-wise alone, and his ability to finish guys, I think he could get to a title shot, Luke. You know, I would not be against that. I don't think it's impossible. But I think he's in that group just short of that. He's a tough out. I love his commitment to this because at lightweight, in some ways, he's just another dangerous player. Like I like him against all those guys, but I understand the move right now. It's a shorter path to the top at featherweight. I don't think he's a killer in this division. I think he's a tough veteran out, and I think he dominated this fight and showed you what he has. Along with Luke, a reinvented facial hair and 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 top salad game. You down with that? You down with this this almost villainous turn right here?
1: The the hair I could. I could leave or or, or take. It doesn't matter one way or the other. The beard, I like. It's grisly. It screams veteran. It screams battle-tested, you know? I I actually dig that. That part I thought was a nice addition. The mop, you know, it's whatever. I'll say this.
0: You know what I do on UFC 3, Luke? Anytime I suffer two losses in a row, I go back to the creative fighter and I add extra facial hair, like a giant beard or some crazy-looking... uh, who's that guy that favored be uh, Ricky Simone, one of those type of haircuts going as like a reinvention of the soul. Like you're getting down to the roots of who you are. And in some ways I think Barbosa's done that.
1: Uh, I've never played the video game. I don't intend to. So I will take your word for it. Kimbo slice used to say, I take care of my beard because my beard takes care of me. I also, thought that was one of the cooler things he ever said. In terms of Edson Barboza, I'll say this. Isn't it funny? You look at his record. The guy, I mean, you think about how terrifying he is as a striker. He's got TKOs in the UFC and wins, you know, via leg kicks. He's got maybe, we'll talk about this in just a second, but he's got, if not the best knockout ever in UFC history, boy, he's on the short list, right? And yet he's got nearly double-digit losses. Now, that speaks to a couple of things. One, some of his own limits, right? I mean, he's not a perfect fighter. He's an amazing striker. He's super athletic. But he is not as well rounded as he maybe could be. The second part is it just speaks to who he's fought and, and what MMA is like. He has fought Khabib and he has fought Tony and he's fought, you know, Paul Felder twice and blah blah blah. I mean you can go down to Dan Hooker and some of those he won and some of those he lost, but you can sort of just look at those and say, My God, this guy has fought everybody his generation, you know, could have put in front of him, and so as a consequence, his numbers in terms of his losses are kind of high, but his you know, his record of willingness to take on the very best, cannot be ju- uh, doubted, excuse me, ever. But then it leads me to wonder something, right? Okay, if Khabib is taking you down, and Tony Ferguson is, you know, uh, able to, to snap you down, it's one thing because Tony can fight as high as 170, Khabib, you know, super strong on 155. I was going to be, I was really curious to see what Amir Khan could do. Now, to be clear, Amir Khani is actually a pretty good wrestler, especially for a, a fighter coming out of Europe. He can handle his own there, but he is a natural 145-er. And so I thought... Okay, let's see how he can handle Barbosa's physicality. In terms of that, he could handle it pretty well. I did not see a meaningful change in terms of uh, the ability to defend a takedown, which is still pretty good, but it wasn't like there was an upgrade. He wasn't really able to l- use any kind of additional physicality by being more of a natural 155er in getting that done. So it just leads me to wonder like we know if you back up and make a move, he's not as much of a threat, still very Difficult to beat, but not as much of a threat. His takedown defense looked to be about the same as it was at 155, and so for those reasons, BC, I think I agree. Tough out. Top top guys are going to have a hard time with him. But he is he a different fighter at 145? I don't know that I saw that. Did you? Uh,
0: You know, when I say different, I almost uh, there's there's potential negatives. Like he's not going to take the same, you know sustained beatings he could take against those killers at 155 he has a size advantage at 45 he can land big shots but I don't see him better so that's why I'm saying I I recognize the commitment to to reinventing himself here as maybe his best possible chance at still living out his dreams but no I don't think he's a better fighter at 145 I just think he'll have a better chance at an out punch or some type of strike I mean look you know he dropped Ige that was a fun fight there he's going to be able to finish guys with some of these shots but no, Luke, I, I, look, I'm not, I don't have any confidence he can do that in five rounds against a true elite, though. I mean, that's, that's asking a lot in your body.
1: It really is. When you have this, I mean, when you have this much tape on you and you, your style has gotten better over the years, but it hasn't really changed. Like, he's not exactly different from the Mike Lulo fight. I mean, he's just kind of a better version of that, which is still formidable. I mean, that's going to be – no one's going to walk through him. That's not the way that it goes. But at the same time, it's like, is that the guy you think is going to get a title shot? You know, maybe he could put together enough wins, but can he beat a guy like Volkanovsky? I doubt it. Korean zombie. We'll talk about that here in just a minute, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I just don't, I don't necessarily see it. Even if I recognize, I think what we all love about him is how terrifying he can be. And the thing that makes fighters hold on sometimes and be delusional about themselves in various stages of their career is the same thing that propels them to greatness. This unwillingness to bend and accommodate difficulty. And that is really, you can see, coursing through the mind and the veins of someone like Edson Barboza. And for that reason, you have to respect him. But at the same time, I'll just say, in honor of what he's been able to achieve, I'll take a wait-and-see approach. But just speaking candidly, I'm a little bit skeptical of the upside possibility. That's what and I am saying. That's all say.
0: we do on this show, Lucas, speak candidly. We don't care. I'm protecting nothing, all right? <laughs> Some people think you always got to worry about the you know the payback. Some punk that you talked bad about way back coming back after all these years jay i ain't going nowhere i'm staying right here in this rap verse in this lyric remember you used to drop that little that little thing at the bottom thank you all right let's move
1: on yeah, he's here. gotten okay. late look at him just sitting there with his hands in his pockets being lazy as shit uh all okay, right okay
0: that that's a little that's a little bit too far don't make me bring jay back in to troll the audience here and let him defend himself okay? all right
1: point number three let's talk about what really made the headlines the win by sandhagen certainly deserves to be talked about first But in terms of just memorable moments, Jesus Christ, I'm leaning to the wrong side here. Sorry. Wow. I got to say, Joaquin Buckley getting a win over Impa Kasanganai. There is so much to say about this. So, BC, let's start with you. Is that the greatest knockout in UFC or maybe even MMA history?
0: No. No but is it in the discussion? Yes, Luke. When you're debating and comparing, and I kind of want to do that in a second with with the short list of what we consider to be the greatest of all time knockouts, the iconic moments, the ones that hit that sizzle reel when the, when the when the who sings Bob O'Reilly before the uh you know, the start of the pay-per-view main card. Um this is going to be in that discussion. This is going to fit in there nicely, but there weren't enough stakes to separate it in my belief from some of those other ones. Now, what it was, was just mind-blowingly athletic and creative. And that's what made it just jump out. And I think what's going to be lost, Luke, when we talk about this over history, is how wild of a fight this was leading up to it. You go back and watch the, what, round and a half that built up to this. They're landing bombs on each other. These are two guys going for it, trying to make a name for themselves. And then this happens out of nowhere. I mean... It was a special moment. I love, I love for Buckley, Luke, that Dana got involved and basically, you know, I mean, like this is the, the pathway to Dana's heart, right? Is to do stuff like this. Dana's ready to give him the whole 200 grand, all the bonuses. What a just out of freaking nowhere type of strike and kick that I think elevates the art form in the same way. Of the Showtime show kick from Anthony Pettis against Henderson that, you know, that wasn't a knockout from that kick, which maybe is why we don't always put it at the very top of this list, but just something so creative that you're like, wow, I, you know, I necessarily haven't seen that before at this level and didn't think that could happen right there. And I think you just look at, how do you pronounce the guy's name uh, with the K there before I embarrass Cassandra myself? If you look at Kasanganai's reaction, which has now become a meme, good God, it's like, you know, it's it's the oh, I effed up moment because I never thought a third leg could come out of this guy's crotch and just take me out and he'll kick me down to the basement floor of hell, Luke, because that's where he is right now and that's where he belongs because this is one of the greatest knockouts in the history of combat sports, but no, it's not the best.
1: So I'm going to say this. I don't know if it's the best for the one... There's one real knock on it, which is, as you mentioned, the stakes. Impa Kasanganai uh, is coming off the Contender Series. He had one fight before this against Maki Patolo, who also came off the Contender Series, and I think has been one in three in the UFC since then. So he's not exactly fighting... For, this was not in a title fight. It's not a number one contender fight. And that's, you'd be like, oh, well, that's, that's not fair to him. But okay, but like if you're Dan Henderson, and you knock out Michael Bisping the way you did... That is different. If you're Rashad Evans and you knock out Chuck Liddell the way you did, that is different. Or pick something where it was a really impactful, huge, major event and somebody got a win like that. It does count more. It's harder to do those kinds of things against better opposition. Okay. That one critique aside, it's probably the most amazing KO I've ever seen. Uh, It is just spectacular. It is magical. And How do you know? Several reasons. One... You can just watch it on loop. There's never enough angles yeah. to it. Number one. Number two, the absolute acrobatic athletic genius of Joaquin Buckley. That that parry that Kasanga and I was using, it's a parry Ooh. that's designed when you catch it and scoop it out to turn your opponent past you. Just to give you enough of an angle where they're not facing you anymore and you can attack them. Take down if you want or you know, just a punch or a kick from an angle that they can't see coming. He used that momentum from Kasanganai to then whip around for that jumping back kick. That is just spectacular. Number three, it reminds me of a couple of other times in MMA where guys have held on to a leg or a knee too long and then suffered the consequences for it, or nearly did, right? So it was this presence of mind that he had to do this. I'm sure he has drilled it on some level, um, but nevertheless, just incredible presence of mind and acrobatics. And more to the point, we'll we'll discuss this in a second, It's not that we take pleasure in the suffering of Kasanganai, but part of what makes a great knockout is what it does to the other person. And the face that Kasanganai makes, the biological response when he gets hit with that heel, and the way his body falls back and his head hits the canvas. Again, we do not celebrate the trauma per se, but that is part of the show. That is part of what makes it memorable. That is part of what is telling you how destructive that it was it wasn't just that he spun in the air that's part of it the other part is what it actually did and so i can't forget that i i I, again i i i sort of admire the violence of it all if i I can be candid with you and then the other part is lastly a good really important knockout like this it, it it tells you a story about the person who did it and it it binds the two fighters together forever but it really tells a story about the person who was able to, to to exact it. Whether it's a super quick KO like it's six seconds, whether it's you know uh, acrobatic or whatever, this is a moment where everyone is going to remember. Like you didn't like how, who can name three other Joaquin Buckley fights? You can't. Forever, you will be able to remember the Joaquin Buckley Impossanganai fight forever. If you are any kind of real fight fan, it will be forever burned in your memory, and you will know Joaquin Buckley better by virtue of this performance. And so he, it has literally, BC, everything you could want from a KO. The only thing is it lacks those stakes. Now, I mentioned something at the end here about what it did to Kasanganai. and I. Scott Van Pelt, a, perhaps the most famous of all ESPN anchors, was anchoring SportsCenter, his branded version of it, on Saturday night and said that the KO bothered him. He didn't like it. Now, he clarified his comments on Twitter. In fact, he and I were tweeting back and forth for a very little bit on Sunday saying he admires the sport, he just can't take pleasure in what was happening to Kasanganai there. It pissed off a lot of MMA fans. Should we be pissed?
0: No. Look, I understand SVP's reaction. I almost give him some respect for having the guts to say it because, look, that's mainstream media's reaction. There are even some, you know, not some... So many hardcore boxing fans who's who love boxing, love the violence of it, and will never be okay with one guy going full mount on somebody else and sitting on his chest and, and and parading down strikes as blood and guts, you know, jump out. I get it. It's not forever. Look, this is a niche sport. It's a niche sport that got really damn far because of Dana and the Fertitas. It's still a freaking niche sport for a reason. So that's fine SVP but you know what like you said Luke celebrating the violence of it it's part of of the what 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 gets us here the, it's part of the admission That's what we're after in a lot of ways. I think it's an extension, Luke, of being on the schoolyard as a kid and seeing a fight developing from a distance. And and, I mean, I used to be like front row at every one and debating was that fight better than the one in third grade over by the corner where Art Hornby kicked that dude in the head? Shout out to Art Hornby, by the way. Um, Yeah, it's sort of for me, it's still an extension of that. I respect the art form, I respect the warriors that get in there. But there's a reason that scene in the movie Friday happened. You got knocked the F out. There's a reason KTFO becomes a thing. There's a reason every time you see a violent knockout, whether it's a street fight or a UFC fight, it becomes a viral meme because, you know, like home runs or touchdowns or slam dunks, it's the exclamation point of this sport. These guys sign up for it. They know what they're in for. There's not only the threat of violence, but really embarrassment, and that's what comes with it. Thank you to these guys for being willing warriors and um, I'm not going to apologize for the sport. I respect Scott Van Pelt's opinion, but, you know, it's not mine, and I don't think it's really a, of any of us. Does, does combat sports go too far? Yes, there's boxing deaths from this. There's, uh, I don't even love in, Uf, you know, in MMA, to be honest with you, the breaking of bones and, and that kind of stuff. There are certainly things that go too far where I'm like, oh, I don't want to see that guy's uh, you know, skull bone coming through from that cut. But uh, the knockouts, Luke, that, that's, that's, that's the um, – remember the stag – Remember the 90s, Luke? Bag old porn. That's what it is, okay? That's what the knockout is, okay?
1: I, I would have a couple of response, responses to him. And the first one I would say is, if you're an MMA fan, will you just let off Scott Van Pelt? Just leave him alone. Like, yeah, he, doesn't, he doesn't like knockouts in the way that we like knockouts. So what? Like, the, the UFC is airing on ESPN. Bellator is on CBS Sportsnet. There's never been a better time to be a sports fan. You can get to zone and fight pass. This is the golden age of being a fight fan there are fights every weekend all over the globe and more or less if you want to you could watch every single one the argument about whether fight sports should continue and should be a thing in society is over and fight fans want it so you don't have to relitigate it if someone doesn't like it especially someone prominent now i understand you don't want to see it bashed on tv whatever who cares whatever scott van pelt says is not going to change ESPN or anybody else's commitment to it. He's just stating his personal opinions. Can we stop policing people's preferences when they don't like it? If you don't like fight sports, okay, I will. I, I'm going to sleep fine tonight with knowing that it doesn't affect my day. Yeah, Luke, in, stop
0: in, policing COVID truthers. Okay, it's their opinion. Get off their back, Fauci. Yeah, well, that on. has
1: dangerous consequences for everybody. That's different. But, I want to shout out
0: um, SVP's guy. You know Stanford Steve, his his uh, trusty producer and sidekick? Yes. Huge MMA fan, Luke. And exactly. I don't think everyone knows this. He was the boogeyman of my town, my high school, Naugatuck, Connecticut. He went to Ansonia down the street, that dirt hole of a town. And he was the guy, Luke, all state in football, baseball, basketball. State titles always destroyed us. Got a scholarship to play tight end at Stanford. Was the number one recruit in a nation, according to one magazine, my senior year, but we'll never forget. Thanksgiving, 93, 22 to nothing, Steve. Deal with it, okay? It happened. There were grown men crying in the crowd. It happened. Shout out to Stanford, Steve. All right, Luke, let's, com- let's hold, do the full on, comparison. Hold on, hold on, I have,
1: hold on. I haven't even... i got to make my point here very quickly, if I can. Please, for just a moment. We don't have just, room
0: for it. We don't have time. Sorry.
1: Uh, we, we have time. Hold on. Let me just make this, because I think it's really important that we say this out loud. I have worked at various media companies for the last 14 or 15 years. It's some pretty big ones, right? Billion-dollar companies, all the way through. I've been very lucky. And what I have noticed all the way through is I've got news for everybody out there as a fight fan. Stop expecting broadcasters or producers or whoever to love MMA. They are not broadcasting MMA because they love it. Various outlets, big ones, don't cover MMA because they love it. It is a transactional relationship. They see a lot of traffic and they want some. Their competitors are covering it, so now they feel like they have to as a way to compete. Everything I've seen in meetings and deals signed, these executives don't love MMA. What they love is that the audience will pay enough attention to it that they can sell ad dollars or they can sell ads and make money against it. And that's okay, that's enough for us to enjoy it. But this idea that fight fans or everyone has to love it. The same way we do they're never going to and last but not least there is one way i would challenge scott van pelt and anyone else who makes these arguments about football and other dangerous sports being different it is true there is something to be said that you know there's no knockout of the night bonus on some kind of nfl broadcast in fact when there was the saints bounty scandal it was in fact a bit of a scandal i tend to think a media manufactured one to a degree but okay there is a difference However, and this is a point I make constantly when we talk about PEDs, in the end, what matters most is the health outcomes, and the health outcomes of American football are in every way far worse than MMA. You have routine years where multiple high schoolers die. You have routine years where Division I players get paralysis, routine years where some kind of tragic, deeply, I mean, we had Alex Smith come back, that was shocking, but we thought he was a goner 17 surgeries later. I wasn't sure he was going to walk again. In the end, what actually matters is the health outcomes. And if we want to have that debate, MMA comes off looking pretty good. I think there should be some consistency across the board there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Ray Caruth there. Let's keep him behind bars. All right, Luke. Uh, thank you, <laughs> C- Jay. Can you dust off his soapbox now that he's been all over it? Uh, can we show Luke, Jay? You got any more highlights of greatest KOs? I wanted to compare and contrast real quick on the way out here.
2: Let's see. Because some.
0: I think, Jay, hit me, hit me with the horns, Mon- Monty. Come on, you got it. There it is. Oh, we got pictures. All right, Luke. I was going to say it has the, um, it had the shocking violence of Barbosa Adam, but I think at the end of the day. It still falls behind this. Look, nobody gives this credit as the How- Rousey Holm as one of the top three greatest knockouts of all time. Barbosa Adam may have been the most violent and perfect one we've ever seen. I think it's, you know, this one with, uh, with Buckley's in that discussion. But for me, Luke, the greatest knockout in UFC history is still Nganu Overeem. Number one contender fight, violent as all hell. That is the most vicious knockout I've ever seen.
1: That is pretty vicious. I agree. Just raw punching power. You're right about Rousey and Holm, dude. People sleep on that. It's like, what, the knockout wasn't spectacular? The head kick, literally, Holly Holm had Rousey turned around. She shoved her, only to push her into range for her kick. Head kicks her, and if you watch closely, BC, literally lifts her off of her feet and then it goes on and pounds her out, which was one of the biggest upsets, by the way, in sports and certainly fight sports history. I agree with you. That KO is criminally underrated.
0: And it's, it's probably the most important knockout of any of these that we're talking about. So the fact that it's that underrated, and people hate Rousey, so how could that knockout be this underrated? I don't know, Luke, but uh, Jay, yes, what do Luke, you if
2: I, if I may, uh, if you remember, Luke, you made the point earlier about the moment. The casual non-MMA fan was so invested in this fight because because uh, Rousey was on the run of a lifetime uh, heading into this fight. So people who just knew nothing about MMA were watching this fight. And the fact that she got knocked out, I mean, it's almost irrelevant uh, what the knockout was. The moment was just tremendous. Agreed. She was this unbeatable, godlike whatever when she got Look, I'm uh, here for Jay cramp.
0: teaching you about MMA history, Luke. I'm here for this.
2: Also, yeah. a little known fact, I sat next to Ronda Rousey on a flight from uh, JFK to LAX and... Um, it was after one of her uh, WWE matches, and she was not sober. Not sober. Okay. Uh, okay.
0: Hey, Luke, uh, this may be the time. Have you seen Ronda Rousey's episode of Hot Ones that just came out? No. Um, if you want to reinforce the stereotypes of what you may not like about Ronda Rousey, then please watch that, because there's <laughs> some gross moments. There's a lot of gross moments, okay? In I, I fact, take her it she refer- doesn't come off great. Her and, f- first of all, let's let's put it out there, okay? People that, I I, I I dabble on the chicken wing, right? I eat as much of the crap off of it as I can, but when it's like the cartilage and the blood and the like, I leave that. She's one who dips the whole wing in the ranch sauce and then puts the whole wing in her mouth and pulls off every possible ending of it. Are you down with that?
1: No, I don't pull off, yeah, no. I, I mean, I've seen that where they take it, they just, you know, it's like a, like ice cream off a straw. Yeah. No, yeah. I don't do that.
0: And then number two, um, she closes by talking about how bad her her gas is going to be for Trav that night, and yeah. ends it by saying, um, essentially, that he won't be able to toss salad for a week. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not here for this. I'm not here. I'm not. I'm not here at all for this. Okay. I'll, in fact, I'll leave. I'm I, it's, it's it. I mean, I don't. I don't
2: anything is, to do with this. Okay.
1: That is. uh That is awful. That yeah, is truly... You. Don't she watch should be it, charged please for please. crimes with, for a comment like that. Yes. Um, all right. With that in mind, we go to Bellator here for just a moment, if we can, BC. MVP gets a win. Sorry, I'm leaning to the wrong side here again. MVP gets a win over Ross Houston. But did he? Because the whole point about the win, BC, was that he was going to find a way back to a road with Douglas Lima at the end of it. Did you see anything in there that would lead you to believe he could do better against lima a second time
0: i did and i think i'm alone really based on social media reaction to this okay look here's the deal on mvp against uh b minus c plus competition that circus act is incredible he will send caveman rickles you know every other week to the to the deep dark depths but against the elite luke and oh by the way Your characterization that it was a completely one-sided performance against Lima is a little bit wrong. MVP had a little bit of moments. He did catch him with something. But my overall point is this. MVP cannot do that against the very elite. Really, nobody can, okay? How many of our great UFC heroes from John Jones to Conor McGregor did wild shit early on, but as you climb up the levels, you can't do that. Do you know what I need out of MVP. A well-rounded, solid performance, which is what he gave here against a guy in Ross Houston who was good enough, Luke, and established that early that he wasn't going to be a highlight real victim. He was unbeaten coming in, cage warriors champion, whatever. Wasn't good enough to win the fight, but was a solid enough opponent. Do you know what MVP did? He dominated them in every aspect, Luke. He landed big punches in the second round to completely cause Houston to go behind his guard and not fire back. And his takedown defense over the second half of that fight was dominant, Luke. I don't know what else you need to see. Was it exciting? No. Was it entertaining? No. But MVP has entertainment leaking out of his A-hole, Luke. This was like a solid performance that shows you he's taking his career more serious and going in there against an elite. If he gets a rematch with Lima, I kind of like the idea that he can explode at any time, but he's going to have to learn how to score points and control the fight above and beyond that. I think this was a next step forward in that regard, whether you were entertained or not.
1: Yeah, I don't agree. Uh, Ross Houston is a capable fighter and deserved to be taken seriously as a Um, a credible threat. So what I take from it is that MVP certainly is more than just a can crusher, right? It's one thing to beat on totally overmatched opposition and you're breakdancing in the middle of the cage. It's fun for virality, but, you know, what can you really say about someone's upside? Then he fights Douglas Lehman. He gets knocked out. He did rock him for a second, but he couldn't really do anything else with it, which is why I say it's basically one-sided, and he got taken down, and all I really had from underneath was wrist control. So why are you go into this hold fight, on. Why,
0: why are we not showing highlights of this fight that we're talking about? We own the. Doesn't CBS own the rights to this?
1: I could. To, it was yeah. on
0: CBS Sports Network. Play the whole damn fight from start to finish for all I care.
1: BC, would it be all right with you if I contributed to this portion of the conversation? In any case, yeah, go
0: ahead, Luke. Go yes. Ahead, in any I'm
1: case, sorry. here's what I'll say. I'm not going to sit here and say yeah. that he's some bad fighter. That he's some totally overrated phenomenon. That he can't do well against credible threats. It's not what I'm saying. But beating Ross Houston kind of, I won't say barely, but steadily tells you absolutely nothing about how he's going to do against Douglas Lima. The difference between Houston and Lima is is worlds apart. And so I, I, I respect that MVP, is, it does appear to have a commitment to his craft. And like when it comes to getting his hand raised, he can do it, but There was nothing in this performance that told me we have to reimagine his upside. In fact, it just told us maybe his defense is a little bit sturdier and he can manage a fight if he has to. Those are not the ingredients, BC, to beat Douglas Lima, not even close.
0: Well, Luke, what ingredients do you want? You want him to finish Houston with a highlight reel knockout, knowing that it's not as likely he can do that against a sort of perfectly well-rounded and tough Douglas Lima? Wouldn't you want him to come in there with uh, better takedown defense, stay in his guard more, you more should be able. Shot? You should
1: be able to dominate a guy like Ross Houston if you, have a, if you want to have a he chance. He did
0: dominate him, though. Like, I mean, it wasn't him. emphatic over the top, but he dominated he him the next ba- Did
1: he even win the first round is very debatable. Very debatable. Here's my point. The whole thing is, it's not fair to compare him to Anderson Silva, who's the greatest middleweight of all time. But I'm just pointing out, if you want to be one of the guys who can do incredible things, you've got to front kick Vitor Belfort. Now, that's, that's a high standard, and I'm not saying he has to do an equivalent thing, but you should be able to stop a guy like Ross Houston if you want to have a hope. Of beating Douglas Lima. You don't have to stop him to be considered good. He is good. He's a good fighter. You don't have to stop him to be able to do viral things against lesser opposition. There's nothing to do with it. You're talking about beating maybe the best welterweight on earth. That performance tells you he could beat the best welterweight on earth? No. It tells you that he's probably more than his critics say he is, but he is not up to the standard of what a Lima poses as a threat.
0: Luke, I'm sensing a a uh, you know some raw energy coming out of you. That you're very Anakin in the midst of Episode Three right now.
1: <laughs> I didn't sleep really well last night. My daughter kicked me I mean, in the I, face. I
0: will meet you at the Mustafar system if it has to go there, Luke. But but uh, wow, here wow.
1: No, it's not animus. It's like it's like the only thing I don't. It's not about disrespecting the fighters. It's about do we take the narratives around them seriously. That is totally different. I don't mind MVP's ambition. I don't mind, I don't mind at all that Bellator realizes if we give this guy something a little bit less, he's going to turn in viral performances. It's a business in the end. And beating Ross Houston, to me, is a credible win. It's fine. It's just not evidence you're going to beat Douglas Lima. That's what it's not.
0: Hey, how about that close-up for the Warlock there? Gareth A. Davis getting, getting some big-time airtime there why, on CBS Why was
1: Wrestling? he wearing dark shades in a dark-ass arena?
0: Because he is the, the the splendid king of sartorial awesomeness that only a, a, a you know, flamboyant Brit like himself could, could put out there. So shout out to the Warlock. Big time fan. Thank you.
1: Last thing on this. Any thoughts on Congo versus Johnson Congo losing a split decision in his hometown?
0: Uh, you know, he kind of deserved to lose that fight. Uh, Johnson's better than we thought, Luke. And yeah. uh, he's not great. He's better than we thought. I'll give him that credit. He's, you know, evolved out of sort of UFC Bellator journeyman status. Uh, he might be next for a title shot. I mean, look, it's like, is that crazy? He did knock out Matt Mitrione. He did uh, knock out, uh, who was the other fella? You remember? Who was the was other
1: fella? Was it guy? Javier Ayala? I have to look it up.
0: No, it was uh, it was somebody of, of certain. Oh, it was Tyrell Fortune. So, like, you know, yes. he's he, he's done the right things. He came out there in a rematch of a fight in which he got knocked out and really shut down Czech Congo across the board. So... You know, Congo hadn't lost in Bellator in, like, five years. So um, go for it. Give him a title shot, all right? Bader, look, Bader kind of needs, I don't want to say a soft landing because Johnson's not soft, but I'm interested to see what Bader looks like coming off of this Nemkov loss, maybe focusing his attention on heavyweight only moving forward. And I think Johnson's an interesting out because he's got that power. You're not going to be able to manhandle him on the ground. He's not sexy, Luke. Not sexy at all. But uh, this is a good win for him.
1: Good win, he can wrestle, he has a wrestling background, natural heavyweight, totally rebounded from a bad start in Bellator to to get one win back that he initially had uh, obviously lost, and a three-fight winning streak, he's your title contender, I think pretty obviously. How he does against Bader, who to me is much more athletic, you know, probably I would favor Bader, but I think it's a, you know, listen, if you're a champion, you gotta defend a title. This guy's put together the best win streak at heavyweight that I can think of right now, so let's see him do it. Um, All right, BC, our last and final topic here for our top five today goes to what is coming up this weekend. It doesn't matter whether you like MMA or whether you like boxing. There are two main events headed our way, one in each sport, that are just magical. At 145 pounds in the UFC, the Korean Zombie is going to face off against the returning Brian Ortega. And over on boxing, let's start there. Wow, at 135 pounds, Vasily Lomachenko is going to take on rising sensation Teofimo Lopez, which could easily be seen, and you know this better than I do, be a pay-per-view fight. They're putting this thing for free on ESPN. All you have to have is a cable subscription. That's it. Okay, what is the most important storyline heading into this big boxing fight? And then we'll do the one for the uh, MMA side of things.
0: Uh, without question, it's the fact that is the question is this. Is Teofimo Lopez Jr., 23 years old unbeaten brash Uh, Roy Jones like explosion is he biting off more than he can chew going in there against you know arguably the the best fighter pound for pound in the world in Lomachenko is this too much too soon too early moving up to this level challenging for all four belts at lightweight or is this a breakout party waiting to happen I cannot figure it out we talk about loving 50 50 fights Luke to me this is, this is really 50-50 at the most elite level. It's a beautiful fight on paper. I think it might be the best fight in boxing on paper for this whole year. You don't get matchups like this. Somebody with big balls like that willing to risk it all. Let's just think about this. Lomachenko is everything. He's amazing but he's fighting over his head at 135 pounds because that's where the competition is right now. And he's facing the toughest, most explosive test. I don't know if Lopez has the goods, if Lomachenko can figure him out. Can Teofimo outbox him for 12 rounds? Probably not. But the fact that he has that unchecked explosiveness and the balls to go after it, that's the biggest storyline. Too much too soon or or a star is born on this night? We're going to find that out on Saturday. I can't friggin' wait, Luke. And you better believe MK has you covered this week. we got interviews lined up with Lopez, Lomachenko. we got breakdown videos. we got a lot coming for you in a fight that's uh, as good as it gets in the sport. Let me ask, let me be
1: devil's advocate for a second, BC. So I was looking at the odds for Lopez, both historically and for this fight. Here's what stood out to me. This is easily the most that Lopez has ever been an underdog in his entire professional career. Now, the fight against Richard uh, Comey, was closer when it opened, minus 125, minus 111, essentially a pick 'em. So they thought that was very, very competitive. But they think that Lopez, they've got him at about a plus 270. They've got a Lomachenko at minus 500. Now, I understand this is not MMA, but if it were MMA, you'd be like, this is a blowout. So why is it
0: not a blowout? It's more the idea, like, Lomachenko's the better – no one's a better boxer in the world than Lomachenko. So I get the minus 500 there because – if he can handle or avoid the power, this looks like one of those fights that Lomachenko could outclass the young kid and 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 be sort of that giant capstone dangerous you know hurdle cleared on his already Hall of Fame amazing career. But Lopez is going to be in this fight. We've seen Lomachenko get dropped before at 135 by Lenares in a really close fight. He was in kind of a shootout there with Pedraza that a lot of people didn't realize how close it actually was. At 135, he's in a spot where he can get caught, even though he can brilliantly outbox you. And Lopez, we just don't know how great he is. I had Roy Jones Jr. on my podcast last year. I said, you know, does anybody remind you of Roy Jones Jr.? He says, Teofimo Lopez Jr., the only one. I mean, you can't get a higher recommendation for somebody. Lopez is unorthodox. He's ballsy. He's explosive. I absolutely don't know what this is going to look like, Luke. And to be really honest in boxing, we don't always get that. Even at the pay-per-view highest level, this is not a pay-per-view. It could be, I don't know who's going to win. It's going to be edge of your seat for those first three, four, five rounds. And really the whole distance if it goes there.
1: I'll say this BC for what it, for what it is worth. From my perspective, I actually had, um, back when I still did my radio show, I had, uh, Vinny Paz. Who is the frontman for the Jedi Mind Tricks? Also, Army of the Pharaohs, a rapper. Shouts to Box Cutter Pazy, and he's a hardcore boxing scholar fan the whole nine yards. He sort of believed at the time. Now, maybe it's different now. That this was going to be a runaway for Lomachenko. Now, to be clear, Vinny and you and a lot of people know a lot more than me, but I've been looking at a lot of tape on Lopez, and I just feel like. <laughs> what are y'all not seeing that I am? He is incredible. He makes fast decisions. Dude, he is an A-plus level athlete. BC, I know you love guys that dare to be great. He is one of them. And he's had a few moments in his life where he's been cut out at the knees with the Olympics, losing the spot to be on the U.S. team, on a technicality, going for his, uh, his father's country of Honduras, and then losing to the eventual silver medalist, but also in a very close fight that he probably could have won. He is, to me, a heavy-handed at 135. He probably has a future BC, I think you would agree, maybe at 140 or even above that as he gets a little oh, bit yeah. older and more mature, uh, you know, late 20s, early 30s kind of a thing. As you indicated, when he was fighting the guys below 135 up to Rigondow, Lomachenko was just running through them for the most part, the Salido fight notwithstanding. At 135, he's been dominant there too, but he's had a couple of, even the Campbell fight had a couple of dicey moments all the way through it. To me, this is like... Do I expect Lomachenko to win? He's maybe the smartest, most sophisticated boxer I've ever laid eyes on personally. But there is something about Lopez at this age getting better fight over fight, his athleticism, his power, his ability to make reads and adjustments. I absolutely consider him to be a live dog. So less than this being the Lomachenko show, I actually feel like this could be the coming out party to a degree of Teofimo Lopez if the Comey fight wasn't. I find this to be a a 50-50, flip a coin. Is it going to be the skills of Lomachenko that went out? Or the maybe somewhat less skilled, but much more athletic for this weight class, Lopez? I love everything about this fight. And I'll say it again, free, BC. By the way, tell the fans, didn't Lomachenko have to give up part of his purse to make this fight possible?
0: That's how badly he wanted it. The the negotiations were falling apart at some point because Lopez felt that he was a little bit low-balled. Lomachenko, again, in in the argument for your pound-for-pound king, stood up and was like, I'll take less to fight this guy to teach him a lesson. There's bad blood between them. I don't know if everyone here knows Lopez is his dad, Junior, his trainer, Teofimo Sr. They call him Junior. He is um, a madman. OK, and he was the guy who sort of started the idea of this fight two years ago by going up to Lomachenko as Vasily was going to walk to the ring for his fight at Madison Square Garden against Linares and got in his face and was like, my son's going to kick your ass. I mean, this is the pressure put on Lopez Jr., who just turned 23, Luke, but he's very mature, married already like this guy is. You don't have to worry about anything in terms of being young. I want to close on this about the style matchup, though. Lomachenko's a wizard. He does things footwork-wise, angles-wise that traditional boxers just can't pick up, can't deal with. He's also fighting a completely unorthodox guy in Lopez who, like I mentioned, does those Roy Jones things where you leap in with a left hook that you just don't see coming. When you match weird with weird... It's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be a challenge for Lomachenko to pick up those rhythms. He's used to orthodox guys coming at him, and he just dances around them. You get, you get two weird things; they're gonna collide, like us, Luke. Like this show, okay? A lot of mm. weird elements in this show mixed for combustion. We're gonna see that on Saturday. Can't wait. Can't right, freaking
1: wait. I, I, I totally love your analysis. Looking forward to your interviews with these gentlemen. It's gonna be here on the MK channel, by the way. So stay tuned. All right, but we can't forget about our MMA side of things, BC. Brian Ortega back after two years. He wasn't USADA suspended, but he was out as long as one would be if they had been back against the Korean zombie. I'll go to you one more time on this. What is the major storyline that you are paying attention to for this sensational main event?
0: Yeah, it's 100% about how does Ortega look, but I think even, even more importantly for me, Luke, as, as an Ortega fan, straight up, I'm going to say that, uh, what style is he going to employ moving forward? He was a guy who we became known for being a submission expert. He's amazing on the ground, a wizard in his own right. Yet he went in there against Max Holloway the last time we saw him, and Luke, he showed you that old school LA in him, that that guy from the streets who was willing to fight to the death. You know, you hate using terms like that, but he used it himself in the way he talked about it. As his face was falling apart, still coming on, still landing shots against Holloway in that fight. What is now two years removed? his future look like. We want to see him answer the questions physically. Can he be fresh against a tough-ass opponent here in the zombie? Can he be all those things? But what type of style is going to be his best chance? Excuse me of getting back into this title picture and being a player. A lot of pressure on him, Luke. Lot. A lot of pressure right now, okay? I know that sometimes we dabble in things that relieve the pressure and you know, he he made that movie with Halle Berry. I have no idea what happened behind the scenes, but shout out to him regardless. Hopefully that relieves some of the pressure, Luke. But I will say um I can't wait. I can't wait to see what this guy, because you, you're you not ready. You got a bad strategy. The zombie's going to lay you the hell out, bro.
1: Even if you have a good strategy, he might lay you the hell out. I agree that your narrative, the one about Brian Ortega, that is the predominant narrative here, no doubt. But I should give a little bit of mention to also the narrative about the Korean zombie. Here was a guy who, I've said this on my personal live chat many times, his nickname doesn't even make sense anymore. I mean, it's an amazing nickname. It sounds really cool. But he got it because he was one of these guys who would just sort of stand there, squared up, take a big shot, and keep going. That's not who he is anymore. He is dynamic on the feet. He's got good head movement. He's got amazing boxing. He's got good counter-striking, good ground and pound. He can take the back with ease and hold it positionally. He's just a really amazing, well-rounded fighter. And for him to take all that time off between 2013 and 2017 for military service in South Korea and to come back and be a significantly better version of himself not only will he be the title contender if he ends up winning this contest although i suppose ortega might be as well but beyond that just to show what is capable like who really is the korean zombie what can he do the run he's been on i mean he was beating air rodriguez before that amazing yes. elbow right so he's actually like should be should be on a four-fight winning streak he dispatched frankie edgar like it was nothing I really feel like if he beats Ortega and gets to that title fight again, he had one against Jose Aldo in a different era. To reinvent yourself and get another title shot years later with a much more updated game, and to be at your best while you do that, that is remarkable. That is very, very difficult to do. If he's able to do it, I'd take my hat off to him, and if you didn't take him seriously before, you better start.
0: Yeah, he's been awesome since returning from that two-year break and i did get a chance to interview him through a translator a month ago where's what i thought was interesting what he said luke was that he completely regrets that whole trash talk incident on aerial show with his translator jay park and ortega slapping park at the uh, at the ufc fight earlier this year in the crowd he said he only did that because he thought the fans would like it he said it's not who he is as a character at all and a person and it brought so much stress on his life that he's just basically look i love ortega i respect him we're just going to go to war because that's what I do. I-, I like that candidness there, and that's who he is. I mean, he just brings the the lunch pail. It just so happens that he's rounded out his game, like you mentioned, to be a tough ass out. If he beats Ortega, whether it's a hundred percent Ortega from two years ago or any type of other version, yes, Dana already said the winner of this fight's getting the title shot. And he's going to be a live dog in there against all your heroes, right? Volkanovsky, Holloway, whoever else you can get in there with. He's in that He's in that fight against City Cock Boxing star Alexander Volkanovsky, okay? He's in that fight. He's going to be in that. He's going to be up in his ass, too, Luke. He's in that fight, all right? Very
1: good. All right. So a lot you to look it. forward
0: to. You know it, Luke. You know it. Deep yes. inside your black heart, you know it.
1: A lot to look forward to if you're a fight fan on Saturday. With that in mind... Let's go to the next segment. This is where you get to ask us questions. We put out a post on Instagram every Sunday. It's time now for DMs from donks. There's the animation. Hee-haw. All right, BC. Up first from at m.chard. In retrospective, I think he means retrospect, of Saturday's UFC event, should we make it a national holiday to laugh at people who dislike a card before it even happens? What do you think?
0: um who who disliked this card? who who in the hell disliked this card before it happened i don't get it what is Yeah, there wasn't right? a lot of
1: people bagging on it i didn't see that but let's imagine this was
0: a freaking uh, amazing fight on paper this main event it had a good yeah, cold let's, main too. let's
1: imagine let's, let's imagine we had a card for ufc standards you were like oh this is well below it what about it then
0: we're allowed to have an opinion there are yeah. times we mentioned that like when Connor's on top of a card they don't load it up right? Doesn't mean those fights can't live, you know, go above expectations. It also doesn't mean you need to go back and tag everybody who who told you this isn't a great fight on paper. It, it is what it is. We all have Luke, it's like you're afraid to Give predictions of fights because you think people are going to hold it to you to the death that you thought, you know, uh, Volkanovski was going to dance around the zombie and then the zombie took his soul. Who cares? We're trying to make the best guess in the moment. Sometimes you look at a UFC card, it sucks the horn. We tell you the truth. It's what we do on this show, okay? People think I'm drinking White Claws. I'm not. I'm drinking hemp-infused seltzer called Kalo. Get the pomegranate peach flavor. It's fantastic.
1: Thank you. Uh, I'll just say this. It's like, look. It's true. Nobody can predict the future. You can look at a card on paper, and it doesn't really interest you, and it ultimately ends up being really entertaining for one reason or another. But a couple things. One, if people are dismissive about it, maybe ask why. Maybe it lacks star power, and they're casual fans, in which case that doesn't really affect you. But maybe it's because they're not really interested in the matchups. Like, in the end, Overeem versus Augusto Sakai ended up being a pretty decent, if not outright good fight, but it wasn't like... I'm trying to budget, I have 24 hours in a day, BC, I'm trying to budget my time, is that something I want to necessarily budget time for ahead of time? No, it's not necessarily one of those things. It's not an indictment. And the last thing I would say is, don't fall for promoter tricks. Promoters want to tell you, oh, you have to watch everything, because that's where you'll get all the good stuff, is if you miss all the stuff that people laugh at. A, it's not really true, and B, they're just trying to get you to watch. Like, Hey, don't promoters, don't tell me it. how
0: to live my life, okay? Hey, yeah. Puff Daddy, vote or die, I'm dead, okay? You can't you can tell me, okay? Yeah. You can, you, your grandfather fought in a war, Luke, so that I don't have to vote, okay? Thank you. In the
1: end, watch what you want to watch, and if you were wrong, go back and watch it later. It's the end. All right, at yeah. Lalo. i
0: every year if they let me, okay?
1: <laughs> you can write him in if you want. Thank at lalo.erm is UFC compensating the latest quantity over quality with great matchmaking. So the idea here at BC would be, we've got a bunch of contender series guys in there, but we're making it work by putting them in interesting fights that brings out the best action. Do you agree with Uh, that? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Look, look, let's, let's say what needs to be said here. Dana white hero during the quarantine, whether you liked his Tai Chi palace season or not, he got the fights back on. He's dealing with a smaller group of, uh, of of pool of available fighters sometimes because of travel or whatever. Um, also, you know you've read ESPN had a nice story about how the the, the quarantines killing the the regional boxing and MMA promotions in terms of feeding fighters up. This has not been easy for Sean Shelby, Mick Maynard and everybody there at the top level. And UFC is, is running laps around everyone else in combat sports from the standpoint of still putting on consistent quality cards. Some of it's been just creative matchmaking. Some of it's been, Hey, Hannah Cyphers will fight for the 14th time this weekend. Let's do it. You know, Hmm. whoever's available is going to jump in there. And I think it's been a big success. I have nothing bad to say about that. Luke. Okay. Yeah.
1: There look, there's definitely been a lot of fights that, did not need to get made, which were LFA quality or whatever else you want to say. But a couple of things. One, in this situation, if you can do it safely and the UFC has demonstrated that we, the, the, to the best of our ability, that they can do it safely, I'll take that over having nothing. Number one, that's the first thing you should say. Number two, you're right. There probably is something to be said for like, okay, we've got limited resources. How do we maximize that with interesting matchmaking There's something to be said for that as well. But BC, I make this point all the time and people disagree with it. I don't really understand how it's even possible, which is, dude, MMA fighters are better than they've ever been. I went back and I watched from 2013, a video on YouTube that the UFC had put up, which was at the time, so 2013, you know, best knockouts and many of those stand the test of time to be clear, but it's just amazing to watch how much better fighters have got. Now it's true Just because fighters have gotten better, sometimes the fights can be more boring because they don't have an ace in the hole skill-wise or they just, you know, they match up too evenly or something. It doesn't necessarily make every fight better, but I don't know. I'll take better fighters fighting better fighters over worse fighters fighting worse fighters 99 times out of 100. I just think in general, you're just getting a lot more bang for your buck in terms of what these guys can do by the time they get to the UFC, whether they're Contender Series fighters or not. So maybe it's a little bit of luck, a lot of engineering, but I also feel like, dude, fighters are amazing today. I've said it before, BC, this is the best time in the history of humanity to be a combat sports fan. (laughs) Embrace it.
0: Yeah, it is, and I I have to give a a couple here. I've given you this take before on various versions of MK, and I and I believe it that today's NBA, I'm the old guy, you know, on the porch saying, "Get off my lawn, take me back to the '90s when we could do high pick and roll and post up game and all that." I do in some ways hate the new NBA, which is all drive and dish, three pointers left and right. But I was watching the finals, you know, at a super fan level, uh, which ended last night, Luke. And I did sort of, you know, have that wake-up-and-realize moment. We can't go back there because basketball players have never been this good before, Luke. You know what I mean? It's like there's you can't have a uh, John Concack out there anymore. You can't have a Charles Oakley. You can have a 7-foot Anthony Davis who can make threes and dribble and do everything and that's the evolution of where we're at, and that's you know in a lot. I mean, look, like, I don't like the rule changes in the mid two thousands that that opened up the floor to a lot of degrees, but we are seeing the 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 the, the highest evolution of the human craft here, and you know even in um, combat sports, uh, video podcasting as well, Luke. Okay, that's why we are ahead of the game.
1: Very good. I agree with all of that. At uh, okay, this is a tough one. At Olafolawolwitz, I think I got that right. What is your opinion on Kevin Sataki's style of refing? In my opinion, he interrupts fights and talks to fighters a bit too much. BC, a ref should be like a dude in porno. You should talk as little as possible.
2: <laughs>
0: I was gonna say a ref should be like a like a cameraman in that in that genre, or like the the boom mic guy, like like all boom mic guys in adult films should should be like Keith Peterson. Remember when Dominic Cruz said he smelled like uh, uh, bitches and cigarettes? Like that's yeah. what basically those guys should be. So uh, we should know little about them. And uh, although you know if we can hook up an MK journey to wherever Josh Rosenthal hangs out, I'd like to. Uh, I'd like to go down that road with you, Luke, okay? Um, I'll have what he's having. But uh, outside of that, I don't even know who this Kevin Sakai guy is. And maybe that's I wasn't,
1: because, yeah, ever- I, I forget exactly which fights he was referring, but he's a lot of like, you know, don't talk trash. And, you know, he's just constantly. Yeah, sort they do of that look- in
0: boxing sometimes. You know, don't talk trash. That's what fighting is built off of. Okay? I know. Uh,
1: I, I get it. I mean, if they're doing that and not fighting, I think you can say something. But if they're doing that while fighting, just let it rock. You know, who cares? Um, Yeah, he probably is a little bit too involved for my taste. There was another referee, Lucas something. I forget his last name. I think he was Polish. He was a pretty good referee there on Saturday night. All right, from Marquis. Real quick,
0: Lucas, Lucas, real quick. Is Mark Goddard the best referee in the game right now?
1: He's pretty good. He's pretty good. I've often said this. He got maligned in the Usman versus Woodley fight. Totally unfairly. Is he perfect? No. Does he make mistakes? They all do. But pound for pound, he might be number one. All right. By the way, where's Josh Rosenthal? Why aren't we seeing him more?
0: I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I mean, Herb Dean's still the OG. We got we still got some guys. You know, we haven't seen a Mazzagotti around in a while. <laughs> you know what's I'll ironic about that is Dana hates the crap out of that guy. You know, that guy works for the Vegas Commission, so he's the guy sitting next to the cage in the referee shirt, like keeping the time and all that. Yeah,
1: He's the footlocker be... salesman. Yes, yes. Um, all right. Uh, Marquise8Phillips says Darren Till seemed to offer himself as a potential matchup for Kamzot. do you guys agree that it would be a good matchup and how do you think it would play out Who
0: the yeah fuck it'd be a knows? great matchup yeah, it'd be a fr- freaking fantastic matchup, and I'm and I'm here for Kamzad having the balls to just be like, give me anyone, and I'll fight them right now. Let's do it. We had this talk already. Some prospects I want to take careful. This guy, it might be too good. All right, let's see it. I want ever. I'm just sick of the people that are tweeting me. He should fight Chandler. At, at what freaking weight class is he gonna fight Chandler? Stop this.
1: Yeah, and also it's like, dude, could we let's think about Kamzad? It's like. Listen, he might actually be the man. I'm not telling you that he's not. It's not one of the situations where I look at him and I'm like, oh, I can declare to you that we know his upside and it's limited. I don't know what his upside is, but that's sort of my point. It's like there's so many unknowns here. He could go in there and fight Darren Till and get fucked up. That is a very real possibility. Now, if he goes in there and he beats up Darren Till, well, then, you know, forget it. Just rush that guy to a title shot like he's been, you know, hitting the the stomach with shotgun shells and he has to go to the emergency room. I mean, that kind of urgency. But we just don't know a whole lot about him because the guys he had longer fights with are not uh, super elite. And the fight he recently had, we knew he had big power. I tweeted he had big power before he had it. the fight. Okay, it's nice, but it still doesn't tell you a whole lot. We need more information. So slow the roll, everybody. All Thank right. You. Thank you. Last but not least, from at Manslow eighty four BC. This is tailor made for you. What are the keys to victory for both Lomachenko and Teofimo?
0: Uh, for by the way, there's some weird elements in this matchup. If you want to then make comparison to Connor versus Aldo, in in some ways, like Te- Teo is not as brash as Connor was in that point. But that that's really your equivalent of what this fight is. Okay, the key mm. f- to victory here. Look uh Lopez is certainly going to be looking for like the leaping left hook and the big power shots but he's going to have to have moments where he boxes so he's got to find Lomachenko with that jab. He's got to be able to set up his power shots and not just be head hunting and looking for the for the counter. Uh any chance he could go to the body to slow Lomachenko down. That's going to be a big uh part of that. Being the bigger man uh you know trying to body up it's not easy. It's not easy to corral Lomachenko. Uh, Lomachenko's going to have to be a wizard. He's going to have to just come out with um You know, with footwork patterns and creativity that Loma, you can't prepare for either of these guys, which is what makes this matchup so well. They're so unique in their styles, but Lomachenko has this problem. You know, he can't get hit with the big one here. He can't, you know, the, this is a, this is a size issue, if anything here. So he's going to have to uh, swim without getting wet as the great Nassim Richardson would say, only he has, you know, he's better equipped to do that than, than really anybody else because of how unique his craft is.
1: Yeah, the only thing I would add for Lomachenko is he has got to box in such a way that when Teofimo opens up, he's able to counter him to such a degree that Lopez will then say, well, I need to be much more judicious in the way in which I open up, because that will then make him more calculated, which will make him even more readable. But to the extent Lopez can just get going and land, that's a problem for Lomachenko. Uh, All right, BC, Mm -hmm. we got to be silly. Take it away
0: doesn't have to be silly, but you know what we do, Luke, okay? The greatest segment in the history of combat sports is upon <laughs> us. We scour the globe for the highs and lows, the good and bad in combat sports and beyond. Jay, I didn't say start it yet, but uh, this is Have You Seen the Shit? Uh, UFC may have produced the best knockout of all time, but check out what happened, Luke, in KSW 55. Mama, it's Mohamed
1: Kaladov jumping switch kick.
0: Mohamed Khaledov given us a lot to get fired up about. Luke, this video went viral like two hours before the Buckley knockout, and people were going sick in my mentions, in my slacks, in my texts. This was, you know, this guy was the star for a couple hours. This is fantastic. Look at that ref taking a fall.
1: That is, I mean, it's amazing that this knockout is easily second third best of the weekend is not even close to the first best and that's an amazing ko
0: yeah my colleague at cbs sports brent uh, brookhouse had a great comment sanhagen's spinning knockout kick of marais was sick and it's like a distant for third best of the weekend yeah i agree that is some good ish right there all right let's go to uh, bellator 248 luke did you did you pop for this oliver Encamp was in there against dawa Put on the Japanese necktie, Luke. Is this impressive? Why is this different than a regular front choke?
1: So I'm trying to see here. Uh, it is okay. That's a three quarter stack he has right there, and then he turns that into. Oh, I see. It's just the gripping is a little bit different. There's no bicep grip. He's just taking his hands and he's and he's scissoring the back of the head into the uh, into the chest there, and then he sits on top of it like that. See that? And then he's got the leg wrap, too. So he's just crunching everything in. But the gripping is a little bit different. He doesn't... More or
0: less impressive than a uh, McKenzie
1: is pretty goddamn impressive. The reason why this is interesting is because in the normal progression of chokes, this is halfway there. And what someone has figured out is you can stop halfway there if you make the right adjustments to it. And it becomes all the way there all of a sudden. That's why.
0: All right, let's roll on. Later in the night at Bellator Paris, did you see the celebration from francis Eve Landu after this his was knockout? Awesome. Luke? I've always
1: wanted to do that thing where you grab your other foot and put the other foot between it. Look at yeah, this. Yeah,
0: at my seventh grade dances in middle school, there would always be like one kid who could do that in the center, and everybody else would would shyly form a circle around and just watch that. This is pretty sick, Luke. I got to give this credit for this celebration. But, Luke, is it better than Emil Valhalla from last month going sick after this celebration, Luke? Who wins? Check this out. Ground and pound and then shot out like a cannon, Luke.
1: This isn't last month. This was the Italian show that he was on. This was like a couple years ago, no?
0: Oh, my my bad, Luke. Some there's no time stamps when people send me this crap. But uh that guy's losing his ish. I've actually been excited, Luke. Um for these. This is you MMA when I fight. send
1: you a text about please retweet my dissected. Yeah.
0: Always fishing. Always fishing for traffic, this guy. All right. That's that's fine. That's fine. Let's roll on here. Uh, Luke, uh, Bellator Paris in 248 was the first major card in France since it was legalized. But there was an MMA GP show on Friday. And um, check out the lighting, first of all. But how do you like this spinny shit on the, uh, on the Dennis Seaver-style finish and then the celebration? You down for all this?
1: Well, you missed the whole story, which was this. You're right. This was the first card in France ever. And the first strike that this guy landed here, the one who won, was a kick to the balls, which means the first ever strike in pro MMA in France was a ball kick. Sounds very appropriate.
0: <laughs> Did you like Dana White throwing shade at Coker by tweeting out? Because this was, you could see this on Fight Pass, tweeting out, you know, the historic first card in France's history turned to Fight Pass right now. Ah,
1: who cares? He blocked me on Twitter yeah.
0: anyway. All right. All right. Who cares about that? Hey, let's go on, Luke. Check out this dancing horse, okay? We got a mariachi band live. But this horse gives no cares whatsoever. First of all, check out his technique—pretty good, right?
1: Yeah, this must be a female, because or maybe because it doesn't have the unit that uh, that uh, Aaron that Pico's horse Pico's. has.
0: Yeah, this guy looks right? like Canelo on the horse. He's chilling out. We, they're dancing. We're celebrating. I'm sure this is a pretty good parking lot party. You got to be careful though around a horse, Luke. You don't want to set him off. You don't want to make a loud noise. Or look out, Luke. <laughs> Holy! <laughs> there's a piper down yes there's there's a mariachi yeah. guy down a clean up on uh wow it's wow like i luke. said
1: no more macarena
0: yes please please okay yes that was something uh speaking of rough riding um picture us riding dirty on this medley of stuff luke check out the guy on this scooter this does not end well oh
1: Yeah, that's one of those things where it's like, hey, how flexible is the human spine?
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, we advance further to BMX, Luke. This is what happens when the brakes fail you, Luke. Oh No, 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 no. Oh, <laughs> oh God. I feel like that was planned, though, right?
1: I mean, what else was he trying to do here?
0: oh god all right there's Uh, a lot of there's a lot of bored
1: kids in the suburbs man
0: check out this dirt bag on the dirt bike here luke this may be third world style here this guy out here chasing waterfalls bro please stick to the rivers and the lakes that you're used to this does not end well for this gentleman luke
1: dude they always tell you do not try and cross an open body of water and this motherfucker was like yes but i have a dirt bike from 1973
0: Uh, Luke, speaking of motorized vehicles, I think there should be an age limit on a Vespa. You got to be at least 65 to get on one of these, right? This guy coming up here. Can we advance it, Jay? Way too young. Oh, we don't have it. All right. Hey, let's move on. Uh, Let's go to the weigh-in, Luke. Did you see Marcus Perez uh, channeling his inner Dark Knight?
1: Yeah, that shit's played out and not funny or cool.
0: Well... Let's ask his opponent, Driscus Duplessis, making his UFC debut. He got a little payback when they stepped in the cage. Can we advance the video? Oh, yeah. Uh, Why uh, why so serious, bro? Right? Wow. If you're going to wear that stuff, you got to win. You got to win, Luke.
1: And he did the whole lip licking thing, too. Like, he was all in on the bit. It's like, yeah, yeah. save that shit for Halloween, player.
0: Hey, this guy looked like a player. This guy ripped. He's jacked. He's throwing bombs, right?
1: south african well, and by the way did you see what he said he's like i'm gonna be the first african born like trained, live-in champ ever or first one anyway i was like okay shit all right
0: well, that, well yeah okay who had who had
1: who had a white guy on first african champ in ufc history on their bingo card the cars. first
0: f- factory town born guy to uh, host a MMA uh, podcast all right hey luke let's go on to uh pole dancing done right or how about um first of all um this is what happens when drunk tricks they get to the sidewalk they see a lamp lamp post They're you know they live out their inner dreams well done but you got to be careful luke because everybody thinks they can one-up you check out this lady in behind saying oh hold on hold on you think you could you could think you could climb that pole watch this check out the og getting ready here luke how do you think this ends (laughs) (laughs) do them things have weight limits luke
1: is this account right, hey, oh, Ho Chaser?
0: No Chaser. They they got crazy oh, drunk things. That I can't town. see because our them.
1: stream here is blurry. Wow, yeah, they dude. Ain't,
0: they ain't hoagie farts, but there's something in that. All right. Let's go on. Let's check in on Abuela, okay? Let's check she, in. She's hanging she out doing? with the grandkids. All right. We got her on the rope and tire swing. Once again, there are weight oh. limits on these things, Luke. This is an elderly woman. You got to be careful. I mean, anything can happen right here. Look, okay. This swing is just launching campesinos into the jungle. Holy shit shitballs. <laughs> She's not coming back from that, Luke. She's not coming back, okay? <laughs> they have now grinded up her bones and, and uh, added it to bags of cocaine, Luke. This, I'm this sorry, it happened. This is the easiest fork I... kidnap in history. Yeah. We, everybody smoked a lot of oregano, right? That's what happens when you buy it off. Wow. All right. Uh, let's go on, Luke. From the Hard Knocks Fighting Association, this looks to be the a, a Canadian equivalent Oh wait, we got a sorry. We got a street fight of the week. I'm I'm way off bounds here. Ooh. Wow. now Luke, does it hurt the the deliverer of the headbutt on this type of KO? Does it hurt?
1: So the tricky is on headbutts that I've been told, uh, and I don't know how true this is. So someone who knows about headbutts might say I'm wrong. But you ever notice if you head a soccer ball on certain parts of your head, it hurts more or less depending on where you do it. Also, if you like, you punch someone like the top of the head, it, it's stronger. My understanding is you want a headbutt where the skin meets the hair, so the hairline, right around here, because that's where the skull is strongest, and you can still kind of aim with it. Like, you can't do it with, like, the front-facing part of your of your dome. And dude, if you look closely, the dude kind of leans into it, right?
0: Yeah, he walked right into it. I mean, it, it is... Bow! It is, the, the thing is, like, you know, you, this is why you can't get into street fights, Luke. You don't know which short guy is going to turn out to be Hoist Gracie. You don't know if somebody's going to headbutt you or 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 i've I've seen
1: so many street fights working at bars and shit i always tell people like dude you you you're not the badass you think you are nine times out of ten and the other dude you just don't know what they're capable of i have seen pipsqueaks go out there and just put knuckle game to people that you would never imagine
0: or you are tougher than them but you're too drunk to fight yeah, look, some people's goal is to sit in this chair and play these These Have You Seen This videos. Other people's goal in life is to be in them, okay? So you decide how your game is going to end. Luke, let's go to the Hard Knocks Fighting Association. I've never heard of this, uh, but it's in Canada. This looks like the Canadian equivalent of Holloway Lamas, round three. You remember this from 199? Wow. That nice is little just flurry there, right?
1: Terrible fighting. <laughs> <laughs> just really, really bad fighting.
0: Shout out to the at Haymakers Instagram account. All right. Uh, Luke, let's bring on some basketball here. This may be the greatest slam dunk facial of all freaking time. Look, I don't care that the hoop is six feet tall. Look at this. Wow.
1: Take in that big face. country. Wow. Wow. No, let's you got to get like the nuts in his in his face. That's when he really Yeah, you got to go to the
0: full teabag. So is about nine out of ten right there. That is great. All it's right. It's a good dunk. Hey, Let's move on to uh party tricks with uh with boobs here. Check out this guy using the moobs to make the flip cup work. Impressive?
1: You know what? Rock what you got, but it's not really his moobs, it's his it's his belly, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well I love the celebration from his friends. Yes. I'd maybe tell him to to close the shirt up before we do uh before we man hug. All right. But that might not be the the best use uh, best use of the breast this week when it comes to uh party fare. Let's move on here. Check out this chick. Crushing cans with cans Luke. in. Do you do that with real ones or fake ones? <laughs> Those look real. The, them look real, Luke.
1: I don't know whether I'm like aroused or horrified.
0: Yeah, I we'll have to <laughs> I mean, you can be both. (laughs) I've seen it. I've been there. It's happened. Okay. All right, Luke. People say we only do bad videos here of people failing. Let's celebrate a win here. Check out this dog playing Jenga. Look, this is not an easy game. You can get hurt too. Look at this guy.
1: I love this dog.
0: Yes.
1: I love this dog.
0: That dog is great.
1: They they do say chocolate labs are the smartest.
0: That's brilliant. Love it. All right, uh, we got one more here to close. Luke, a little, little, um, little programming note. We are moving all, um, viewer fan art submissions. Any pictures of people wearing MK content to Wednesday show moving forward. Getting it off of the Have you seen this shit brand. This brand moving forward will only be dongs. Dogs winning at Jenga and old lady violence. Okay. But we got one right. more for you, Luke. In honor of the late Eddie Van Halen, check out Sensei Van Halen here. Yes. Love it. I have no idea what's going on, but I'm in on it.
1: You know what? I don't. Is this cool or.
0: Yeah, this is cool. This is cool. It's McDojo cool. Dojo Life wouldn't post it unless it was cool. All right.
1: I mean, you know this dude has like three pet snakes and is like two months behind on the rent. But. <laughs>
0: I could see this guy as a meth cooker, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. This dude has definitely tried meth.
0: fire, too. What's
2: with the? the Oh, he goes headbutt right
0: there. Love that. Yeah, he should Hendrix that crap up, Jay. You know what I'm talking
2: about. This looks like this looks like a scene out of Cobra Kai. The new. uh...
0: I mean, here's the deal.
1: Is
2: this
0: here's the deal? Is this
1: cool if you do this and then you also sleep in your car?
0: Hey, many famous people, including Jewel and Ronda Rousey, have had to sleep in their car at some. Hey, place.
1: listen, right. I've been broke as fuck too, but I wasn't cool for
2: it. Notice everyone in the background's face is blurred. They want no part yeah, of this they, video. Yeah, they don't.
0: They don't want it. And he missed
2: that. And he missed the last break and just keeps going. This is Saturday wow. night at the trailer
0: park. This is great. Is that is that Eight Mile? All right, let's get out of oh, this. Look, you've seen it. it. It is what it is. All right, people love it. Go ahead. It's over. very
1: good. Have you seen this shit? Uh, all right, BC. With that in mind, it is time now. For odds and ends. What do you have, good sir?
0: Uh look, back to boxing real quick. Demetrius Andrade, your uh I think he's the WBO middleweight champion. We know his history, Luke. He may be the most difficult out from one hundred and fifty-four all the way up to one hundred and sixty-eight pounds in the sport. But he sat out almost two years to get out of a promotional deal, signed with Eddie Hearn and Dezone, and can't get the big guys in the ring, even though he's in the same promotional network sphere that includes all the big names in his area. Canelo, Saunders, all those guys. So here's what he did this week. He did an interview with Dan Rayfield at Boxing Scene. Called Billy Joe Saunders a bitch. Called Canelo a bitch. Said, Charlo, meet me for a 160 unification. Um, Luke, look, this is, this is how you have to talk when people don't want to fight you because you're a little bit too skilled and a little bit, uh, you know, not marketable enough so to speak i don't know if we can make that fight networkly promotionally i'd like to live in a world where anything can happen i want to see this guy in a big fight to showcase his talent before he turns 40 is that too much to ask in boxing he's one of those guys who slipped through the cracks i commend him for basically calling out anyone in and around his division let's let's get this guy in a big fight please okay i think that's quite reasonable Okay. Also, real quick, uh, the, Mike Coppinger of uh, The Athletic put out there that Tyson Fury looking to get out of that trilogy fight in December against Deontay Wilder, mostly because he believes Wilder's team is trying to push the fight to 2021. Luke, I know this is the ugly side of boxing, the business side. If you're an MMA fan, you're like, why do we even you know, talk about this? Because unfortunately, in boxing, this becomes your headline news in between fights. According to Coppinger's sources... Fury may not be contractually obligated past the new year to make this fight happen. Now, if they can't make it for December, Fury wants to have a homecoming in Great Britain early in December and then fight Anthony Joshua maybe even twice next year. Luke, I don't know how it's going to end. I don't know if this is a public move by Fury to put pressure on Shelly Finkel and Team Wilder and PBC to make this fight happen in December. I know they wanted to put it in Raiders Stadium. I know the NFL schedule is making that tough. If you're Team Wilder, do you think that it's a better situation to push that fight off? Knock out a few cans. Because here's the deal, Luke. And this is a heavyweight renaissance era, meaning we got four or five names like that are fun, that 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 make great fights. But very few people can go 12 rounds with Deontay Wilder. I'm sorry, very few people can, right? Tyson Fury, at this point, may be the only guy. We don't know yet, okay? I mean, Stavern did... Five years ago because Wilder broke his right hand, but we saw what happened in that rematch. If he goes back and rebuilds himself, starts knocking fools out, but mixing in more with a jab, he may bang the drum so loud that after Fury fights AJ once or twice and becomes the biggest star in the world, that trilogy fight might be bigger than, than we ever could imagine. What would you do if you're Team Deontay?
1: Yeah, I don't take that fight because you lose that and you're damaged goods forever. There was a bad enough loss where you want to take that when you have a reasonable, a reasonable chance at doing well enough. And I know everyone's like, oh, he was injured and blah, blah, blah. Okay, I'm not saying a third fight would look the same as the second. It'd probably be an average between the first and the second. Somewhere around there. Nevertheless, I don't take it. I take an opportunity to, to remind everyone about my positives and then get a fight down the road. You're still going to make big money no matter what. Do that. Don't, don't take it. By the way, it's very boxing that the biggest news in the heavyweight division is that a fight is not going to be made. That is just epic, yeah, epic that's boxing the, That's news. the
0: damn sport. It is what it is. All I'm saying is, if, like you said, if he loses, we may not ever have a need for another Fury fight. And if that third fight can be the biggest fight you can make in, a, in the sport a year and a half from now, uh, and while there's confidence in brand is refurbished and you have all four belts on the line and you do it in front of 90,000 in England... Or I don't, put, the, put, the, put a stadium on the moon, do it in front of 100,000 at Cowboy Stadium, whatever. It might, it, it might be an event, Luke. And you might not get to that event if you lose to him a second time.
1: No doubt about it. All right, from my odds and ends, this was a weird one. So last week, John Jones and Israel Adesanya were going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Whatever. But in one of those exchanges on social media, on Twitter, John Jones confirmed the story that Chael Sonnen told in 2016 on the Joe Rogan podcast that he had heard John had hid from drug testers under the cage at Jackson Wink. Now, John gives a slightly different version, which is it wasn't USADA he was hiding from. He was hiding from um, uh, the Nevada Commission. And they were, yes, they were drug testers, but he was only hiding because he had just, in his words, smoked a blunt. But he confirmed that it was more or less true. So then ESPN... (laughs) Uh, with Mark Ramundi reaches out to the Athletic Commission because Vanderlei Silva had just duffed on a test and they threw the book at him for it and they asked the Commission for a comment. Now, the Commission didn't give one, but they don't take to that kind of reckless disregard very kindly. I don't know what's going to happen, BC, but I find the admission strange. So, Super look, strange. um,
0: there's a lot of John critics and they're rightfully so. And the thing you hear a lot from them, Luke is that sadly he's an idiot in terms of handling certain public things, meaning that a lot of the truck or all of the trouble he's gotten into was his fault. in a lot of ways, this sort of falls in line with that. If in a trash talk exchange, you're sort of publicly incriminating yourself on a potential thing. Um, hate to see it. I think he's the greatest of all time. I love watching him love covering his career. It's been some wild moments for all of us, Luke. He sent he sent more than a few people to hell. Not just you at that press conference that time, but um, yeah. I don't know what's gonna happen here. John has been Teflon. I mean, you saw that went out of their way to get him back in there. UFC moved the freaking card, uh, you know, December a couple years back from Vegas to to LA for him. Um, it, something's got to catch up with him eventually, correct?
1: Yeah, that was a bizarre one. I did not understand that one at all. I was very. Like, dude, why would you? Okay, forget it. Who cares? You know, we'll see if the Nevada Commission does anything. That's the key, though. Do they just let it, do they let it slide? My thought is they probably will, but who knows? They might throw the book in his well, ass, too.
0: Maybe, you know, if they can get uh, Jones and Ganu and T Mobile, maybe they'll let it pass, all right?
1: Yeah, exactly. All right, very good. Uh, BC, we should remind the good folks if they want some merch, it's available store.show.com. You can get tumblers like this. You can get mugs, you can get hats, shirts, beanies, the whole nine yards. There you go. BC's got his on right there, rocking it yeah. like a trucker who is looking for a piece of ass at a truck stop uh, from some kind of goes. local prostitute. I don't know why you're wearing it like that. Anyway, but you can go to store. Yeah, I'm going to spoil
0: this, this good hair day. You think I'm going to just mess that up? Okay. I, I do other things besides this show and life, Luke. Okay.
1: I see that. Uh, If you want to try Showtime, you certainly can. Go to Showtime.com. You can get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can go F yourself. And uh, we're on social media, BC. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. This channel right here is on YouTube. Morning Combat for everything that's uh, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube related. Luke Thomas News for me. Brian C. Campbell on Instagram. L. Thomas News on Twitter. And then B. Campbell CBS. Uh, B. Look, B. Campbell, CBS. Remind the folks what you have going on in terms of interviews this week.
0: Oh yeah, look, we got we got one on ones with Lomachenko, with Teofimo Lopez Jr. That's going to throughout this week set the stage. We're gonna have some boxing bonus material. Uh, I like this little this this um catalog we're building, Luke. The three live shows each week, the Luke Q and A live chat, the Luke Dissected, which is going to be coming out. Uh, there's a lot of variety, a lot for people to like, Luke. Uh, and I think people should still be hitting us up at that email address, morningcombat at because we're trying to, you know, F around and, and get a triple-double here on the Wednesday and Friday shows on what the format's going to look like. We're moving some things around. We're taking your ideas and your thoughts seriously as well. So uh, it's an unfinished product. But what other show, Luke, is going to give you this type of content, right? Bang Zero. for your buck. Who's going to bang you like, like the guys at Morning Combat does?
1: BC, what is the homework assignment for this week? I don't think we ever decided that.
0: Well, look, I think we we settled in on the idea that it would be you pick one week, I pick another, and then the people pick. So uh uh our one of our trusty producers, Mikey, I believe, is uh compiling some suggestions that the that the re, that the viewers have given, and this week will be a fan vote, so please check out the social media channels that we just showed you on Morning Combat. We're going to put the vote out to the people, Luke, and hopefully on Wednesday's show we'll be able to uh, announce what your homework is for this week. Of course, Friday, we'll break it down. These are submitted by the people, so this will be interesting.
1: Yeah, and don't forget, the best place to get in, dead wrong submissions, fan art submissions, questions for the show, whatever, Combat at gmail.com. It is ready and available and ready uh, open for you guys. All right? Well, with that being said, we have things to get to. We appreciate everybody watching. Give the video a thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button. For everyone at Mocha and Showtime and Brian Campbell, he and I from CBS Sports, we will see you on Wednesday. And until then, may all of your gains be loyal.